What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your boy, Darian, and I am officially here saying that this is the Darian Hopkins Show. Where it be sports talk, where it be entertainment, where it be anything that's going on with sports and entertainment world, we will be doing it right here on the Darian Hopkins Show. So if this is your first time ever being here, right here at the Darian Hopkins Show, we highly suggest that you subscribe, hit the bell button, and get the latest news on all entertainment and sports news as well. So I really appreciate you coming by the channel, and we'll see you on the other side. Peace. And what is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your boy, Darian, coming to you live with another, another video and another podcast, episode four of the Darian Hopkins Show. We have so much to impact on this show. I did have a guest that was supposed to come, but end up not coming anyway. So with that being said, we're going to be doing this right here, right now on the Darian Hopkins Show, right here on episode four. And thank you. Everybody, thank to all the subscribers, to all the supporters that listen to the podcast audio version and watch it on the YouTube channel. If you are watching on the YouTube channel, we highly suggest that you subscribe, hit the bell button and get the latest news in all sports news and podcasts every Tuesday and every Thursday right here on the Darian Hopkins show. If you are listening on Spotify, Darian Hopkins show, and you are watching or, or listening on Apple Podcasts as well, which is at the Darian Hopkins show. So let's get straight into it, ladies. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get straight into it. The NFC Championship games was on Sunday, right? We had the first game, which was the three o'clock game, was the Philadelphia Eagles at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, a lot of people are giving me a lot of lack. They're giving me a lot of lack on what happened here. Oh, you picked the 49ers to win. Oh, you said you would not be surprised that the Philadelphia Eagles win. I wasn't surprised that the Philadelphia Eagles won. I was not surprised, but the way they won, I was surprised about it. Now, we all know that it was only four plays into the game until Brock Purdy got hurt. And according to Adam Scheffner and according to Ian Rappaport, the man would be out for the next six months with that elbow injury, tearing a UCL in his elbow. That's why he could not throw the football yesterday at all. He was four for four for 23 yards, and that was it. And then right before you know it, you had Josh Johnson come in the game. And he wasn't that he wasn't that great at all. Seven for 17 for 74 yards. And he only he barely had a 20, a 20% passer rating. It wasn't that great for Josh Johnson. And I feel like the team did not a rally around Josh Johnson. But at the same time, Josh Johnson was one of those guys that he's been around the league. He's been from team to team. He was not expecting to play today. He was not expected to play in that championship Sunday game. Absolutely not. So Brock Purdy will be out for the next six months with that elbow injury. So that elbow injury was definitely severe. And I feel sorry for the 49ers. But, but before we get into any of that, congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. You did what needed to be done. Your team was healthy. You had a good quarterback. And you had a great defense that got the Brock Purdy was the reason why that he was out. Simple as that. It's just that simple at the end of the day. So shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles for making it to the Super Bowl. I said it would not be a surprise if they won this game. But the way they won this game in pure dominance, yes, I definitely agree there. I was not expecting pure dominance. But I I feel like this, though. They went out with, with 
Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. Brock Purdy is your third string quarterback. He was undefeated into this game. Undefeated into this game. In four game, four plays into this, Hassan Riddick gets the strip sack, hits his elbow, and tore his UCL. Meaning that's ligaments in your elbow and your throwing arm. That's why when he said he cannot throw, because he did he had no feeling in his hand. He had no feeling in his nerves and his arm for him to throw. That's why they was using that metal thing on the sideline to try to see if he gets some feeling. And he could not get any feeling at all. But people want to say, oh, people want to make excuses for the 49ers. Nobody's making excuses for the 49ers. I just feel like y'all took advantage of an injured quarterback. I feel like if, th if this was Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance or even Brock Purdy, 100% healthy, this game probably would have been different. Would I would think the Eagles probably still won? Yes, but would it be as dominant as it was? No. It wouldn't have been as dominant at all. That's just my personal opinion on it. And when, I, when it comes down to it, Christian McCaffrey is all the 49ers had. He had like six receptions for 20 yards, and then he had 84 yards on the ground and a touchdown. That he had to run through five or six defenders just to get that touchdown. Josh Johnson didn't help out. George Kittle and Debo Samuel only had three receptions each. Three. Three receptions each, and they combined for 63 yards. So that means Debo had 36 and George Kittle had 33. And they had 22 minutes of time of possession. Out of 60 minutes, you only had 22 minutes. That's not good. That's not good at all for the 49ers. And the more your defense is on the field, the more that you're tired. And this is why the Eagles on the opposite side were so energetic. They were so fast to the ball. They were so hyped. Everything because they had time of possession of this game. The Eagles had 37 minutes, meaning almost 40 minutes having the ball out of 60 minutes. So when you run the ball effectively for the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going to win football games. But on the flip side, you got to think about it as well. The 49ers, all they could do was run the football. They ran the football all second half. Because Josh Johnson went down with a concussion. So now they definitely out of quarterbacks. So I'm sitting here doing the live stream and I'm just like, yo. They really going down with a lot of quarterbacks. They really are. It's upsetting to see all these good quarterbacks go down. Well, Josh Johnson is not a good quarterback. But Purdy, Trey Lance, and now and then Jimmy Garoppolo, it's insane what's going on in San Francisco. People want to blame Shanahan for this loss. I can't blame Shanahan for this loss. I just can't. Because that man could could have, he couldn't do nothing. You put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. That was your last resort to put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. And you you just can't do that. You can't do that, but at the same time, he had no other options. He had no other options. I thought you usually leave three quarterbacks on the roster. I thought you assigned another one just in case if something happened, but you only had Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson. That's not good. That's not good, but I'm not blaming Kyle Shanahan for this loss. Absolutely not. When you all That's all you could do was run the football, and they just stacked the box. You can't do nothing. You can't do nothing. But on the flip side of things, the Philadelphia Eagles played one hell of a game. I, I got to say it. They played one hell of a game, man. And the Eagles looked really, really good. They looked really good with Boston Scott running the ball well. Kenneth Gainwell running the ball well. Jalen Hurts running the ball well. Miles Sanders had two touchdowns. 
Devontae Smith only had two receptions, but he did have one good one-handed grab, which, if you look at the replay, that was definitely an incomplete pass. But that's another story for another time. That's another story for another time. But what I do know is this. Jalen Hurts had 11 carries. He had 11 carries, and he averaged him with three and a half yards a carry, almost four yards a carry. And then he threw for 121 passing yards, but he did not have no touchdowns. He wasn't great at throwing the football in his NFC Championship game, but how can you really throw the football when you have an effective running game at a combine out of Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, and uh, Boston Scott? They ran for 148 rushing yards. So, I mean, I wouldn't be throwing the ball that much if I'm getting 148 rushing yards combined between four players. I'm going to, I'm going to keep running until they stopped it. In the RPO, in the zone read, had Fred Warner looking confused out there. I mean, Nick Bosa was doing his job. Jimmy Ward still did his – I got to say to the 49ers, the 49ers secondary, they really did a good damn job on Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. They did a good damn job. So I can't – a shout-out to the corners for the 49ers, but same thing for Darius Slay and James Bradbury. That secondary was just as good. But the secondary really didn't have to do much because they couldn't throw the ball. That's the problem with the 49ers. They couldn't throw the ball. But the Philadelphia Eagles deserved this win. But in the fashion, I was not expecting it in this fashion. And I just wish that these quarterbacks were healthy, that we could have saw a better game out of these two. We could have saw a better game out of these two, man. That's just being completely, completely honest, man. And three turnovers for the San Francisco 49ers. Three sacks on the San Francisco 49ers. That means that's three sacks the Eagles had on defense. And Hassan Riddick was a monster. He was a monster. So, shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles. Y'all going back to the Super Bowl. The second time in five years. Congratulations to y'all. Y'all deserve it. And y'all be playing the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But speaking of the AFC Championship, so a lot of things and a lot of talk is being talked about about how the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship was being rigged. They wanted to see the Kelsey brothers go into the Super Bowl together. They wanted to see Andy Reid go up against his old team. Nick Sirianni, you know, learning a little bit from Andy Reid as well. But like I said, the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl, and I got to say, and, and, and on record, Nick Sirianni should be considered coach of the year. He should be considered it. No way, no how. You don't mention this man. This man been the overall number one seed all season long, damn near. Home field advantage. And there's no way in hell that you sit there and say he's not coach of the year. The way he just dominated the number two team in the, AF, in the NFC. But they saying that is rigged. I don't see that as rigged, but we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs game. We're going to talk about that because I felt like some bad calls was made. So 23-20, the Kansas City Chiefs win. Knowing the fact that I am not a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I am a diehard Raiders fan, and I did not want to see that. I did not want to see the Kansas City Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl. Absolutely not. I did not want to see it. But it happened. It happened. Patrick Mahomes was on one leg. He didn't feel comfortable all night. It was so many opportunities for the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. I, I, I didn't know what to tell you, but they were striking back and forth. T. Higgins with his catch. The uh uh Valasquette, Marquez Valasquette had a hell of a game last night. 
Hell of a game. Running backs could not do nothing. Joe Mixon couldn't do what he was one, wanted to do. Isaiah Pichero could not do what he wanted to do. They kind of really shut down the, the running games, but the passing games was really good. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions, two ill-advised interceptions. Jamar Chase definitely got somewhere, as I can say. Jamar Chase definitely is one of those ones. He's really a dog in his league. T. Higgins definitely stepped up when Tyler Boyd went down. But let's let's get into it, man. This is what really pisses me off about the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals game. What was the reason of replaying the down? What was the real reason of replaying third down? What, why would you blow the whistle? For what? What are you blowing the whistle for? The, the thing about it is it was 39. And when it was 39, they didn't get it. And then all of a sudden, all play stops. Like, seriously? All plays stop after they don't get it in this fourth down? And y'all make them replay the 39? And then after they don't get it on the second 39, you call a PI right after that. Is something going on? Is something going on? I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but something ain't right about that. The refs got to give me an explanation on why did they have five downs? Five downs. First, second, third, third, fourth. They had two, I mean, no, two third downs. That is unacceptable from the NFL officiating. Unacceptable. There's no way that you do that. And I felt like no calls was being called on, on Kansas City. And Cincinnati was just getting caught everything. Everything. But at the same time, they had multiple chances to win this football game. Multiple chances. There's no way in hell that Cincinnati lost this game. But you got to get, but you got to, I'm not going to say congratulations because he made a stupid mistake. The guy Osani, whatever his last name is, number 58. Why would you push Patrick Mahomes after he was already out of bounds? So you just put them in field goal position just to win the game. Come on now. You know you can't do that in the NFL. They're going to cater to these NFL players. They're going to cater to that. They cater to Patrick Mahomes and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. They cater to the Joe Burrows of the world. There's no way you sit there and you knew that he was out of bounds. That's what pissed me off. You knew that he was out of bounds. So why in the world would you ever just push him when you know he already, just let him go. Let him go. You was taught that all season. And then you almost broke your leg in the process of doing that. Cincinnati Bengals team was pissed in the locker room because of that. Pissed. Because I had Cincinnati winning. I was pissed. I had Cincinnati winning. And now, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. The Kansas City Chiefs are moving on. Travis Kelsey had a game, but Marquez Val Mar Marquise or Marquez Vallis Scatlin, the former Green Bay Packer, he was the X Factor tonight. He was the X Factor Sunday night. You could not stop him. Juju Smith Schuster, you have not been a factor all year long. But this is going to be a great matchup for the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great matchup. I'm not making no predictions right now, or I probably won't make no predictions at all, but it's going to be a great matchup. Patrick Mahomes, he did what he had to do on one leg. 
He was he was mobile on one leg. He was throwing on one leg. He was making sure he get everybody open. At one time in the first quarter, he threw it to like six or six to twelve different receivers in the first quarter. Even though they was running backs like McKinney, different tight ends, different receivers, Sky Moore. Yeah, so many different people that he was throwing to on one leg. And Cincinnati Bengals defense. I understand you you try to get pressure on him, but you didn't get enough pressure. Y'all ain't bring extra people to come in on the blitz. Y'all didn't y'all did y'all, y'all did y'all board a mono on the mono. And they kept Patrick Mahomes definitely uh they kept him upright. He didn't tell I don't even think he took a sack. No, I'm wrong. He did. He did. He did take a sack. He did take a sack. But yeah, man, I I I just don't I just don't understand what Cincinnati was doing on that last play in the fourth quarter. You gave them field position to kick the field goal and win the game in regulation, where you could have won the game in overtime, or you probably could have lost the game in overtime. But Joe Burrow, it wasn't his best game. He's three and one against the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought he was going to be four and zero. That's another story for another time. But congratulations. To the Kansas City Chiefs, you will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have another weekend that I want to talk about. Another day that we want to talk about, and that's Saturday night. Now, Saturday night, one thing I I can say is this about Saturday night is the Royal Rumble. I actually went live on this channel to watch the Royal Rumble. And I haven't watched wrestling in a while. But Royal Rumble is one of those prestigious pay-per-views that I always have to watch every single year. Same thing as WrestleMania. Same thing as Money in the Bank. Same thing as SummerSlam. You know, and um, Survivor Series is another one as well. And I and I go back to the days of The Rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin. I'm one of those guys that, you know, how can I put it? I'm one of those guys that I come from the Attitude Era. You know, I come from, you know, the Trish Stratuses and the, and the leaders of the world. I come from, you know, the uh, the, uh, the Al Snows and the Mick Foley's of the world. You know, even, even Ric Flair was in that era, too. Shawn Michaels, which is my favorite wrestler of all time. My favorite wrestler of all time. But I did watch the Royal Rumble on Saturday night. You know, have me a little drink, have me a little fun. And the Royal Rumble was pretty, pretty different. I didn't have no issues with the Royal Rumble. I didn't know half of the people that entered the Royal Rumble. But I have to say... From Gunther and Sheamus being number one and number two entry in the Royal Rumble, they lasted as long as they could, especially Gunther. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Gunther was the last man to be in there, and he was the uh, and Cody Rhodes was number thirty. Especially Cody Rhodes' return was really, really awesome, really, really awesome. But I was kind of surprised at the WWE because I didn't see a lot of surprises that I thought that I was going to see. I expected Edge to come back to get back at Judgment Day. I expect I didn't expect Booker T, but Booker T enters the Royal Rumble almost every year. So I'm not really surprised about Booker T. But they had a lot of NXT people. Um, they had Gargano in there. They had a few people in there. You had Omas. You had a few big, big guys in there. But Gunther, uh, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre, those three guys, they balled out. But Gunther was the they was Gunther was the one was to remain standing to be in the final two of the Royal Rumble match. Which that match was first. The men's Royal Rumble was the first match of the night. First match of the night. And I I I, I was not impressed with the Royal Rumble match. I didn't know a lot of the people. A lot of people came from NXT, which I haven't watched NXT in a long time. 
But I, I liked, you know, the Finn Balor, you know, a part of Judgment Day. Then Dominic came in. You had a few notable names, a few notable names in WWE that was in that Royal Rumble. But I was pulling for Gunther, man. But I knew Cody Rhodes. It was very predictable that Cody Rhodes was going to win the Royal Rumble. And this is why he will win the Royal This is why he will win the Undisputed Championship at WrestleMania. Because we're tired of Roman Reigns. I'm sorry to say, I'm tired of Roman Reigns. The bloodline is looking shaky, and we're going to get into that. The bloodline is looking real shaky now. Mm-hmm. Looking real shaky. So, Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble, comes back off an of injury being almost out for almost a year of that torn pectoral muscle. And I'm happy for Cody Rhodes. He came back to the WWE after leaving AEW, and he was out for a long period of time. And I knew he was going to win it. But my guy was Seth Rollins. I really like Seth Rollins. He reminded me of a younger Shawn Michaels. Cocky, arrogant, and he's just very talented. But I but I knew they was going to try to give it to Cody Rhodes so they could try to dethrone Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which is in Hollywood. A lot of people expected The Rock to come up in there and make a turmoil of, you know, him, The Rock and Roman Reigns and his bloodline crap. I knew The Rock wasn't showing up. I knew The Rock was not showing up. Like, come on, y'all. That man is making man moves no matter if the movie is shitty or the matter the movie is, is great. He's making money in movies. He was not coming back. So, Cody wins the Men's Royal Rumble. Then we get this pitch black match between L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt. Now, I'm not, I really don't know too much about L.A. Knight. But I knew know about Bray Wyatt. That man has different personalities. That man is weird. He's absolutely weird. But Bray Wyatt does what he does best. It play mind games on wrestlers. Reminded me a little bit of The Undertaker. But in his own way. He's not The Undertaker. But it's in his own way. And that's what I like about Bray Wyatt. He makes himself more creative in this era of wrestling. And still gives a little bit of the Ministry of Darkness, or The Undertaker with Paul Bearer of that type. And everybody from the Firefly Funhouse was there. And knowing that Bray Wyatt did win in a short match against LA Knight, but LA Knight going up to the ramp or going somewhere where this leprechaun just following him and we had flames at the end of the match. Like, it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. I was not expecting that. But a pitch black match. And it wasn't pitch black. Everybody was like a goddamn highlighter. But it was sponsored by Mountain Dew. So everybody had it. You had a little bit of light. You had a little bit of glow in the dark. But it wasn't pitch black like I thought it would be. Come on, man. Come on, man. So Bray Wyatt wins that match. Go on to the next match. And then we have the Raw Women's Championship. Where you have Alexa Bliss against Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair kind of dominated this match. I'm really surprised about that. And Alexa Bliss... I don't know if you back to your mind games or being with Bray Wyatt in those games that you played, but and I was kind of nervous, kind of nervous about it. And you didn't look your best against Bianca Belair. And Bianca Belair is talented. That's why she's still the Raw Women's Champion. That's why she still does what she does. Because Bianca Belair might lose it at WrestleMania, depending on who Rhea Ripley decides to pick knowing that she won the women's Royal Rumble and so it's not really too much to talk about in the Bianca Belair match because it was pure dominance from Bianca Belair Alexa Bliss is so small and so tiny 
I had Bianca Belair in this match winning it anyway. Anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Bianca Belair wasn't at her best. She sure wasn't. She sure wasn't at all. So, shout out to Bianca Belair for retaining the Raw Women's Championship. And shout out to you. The Women's Royal Rumble. The only surprise that we got. Well, two surprises that we got in the Women's Royal Rumble. Michelle McCool. We all know that. Michelle McCool, which is Undertaker's wife. And we, we see her tweet about not getting an invite to the Royal Rumble. So she sat in the stands with the rest of the fans. And at number 25, they called her name. Her, her music came on. She had on Uggs, sweatpants, and a hoodie at the Royal Rumble. But I felt like <clears throat> I felt like it was set up anyway. She knew that she was going to be in the Royal Rumble. She just didn't dress like she was going to be in the Royal Rumble, but she knew. She knew that she was going to be in the Royal Rumble. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to be realistic with me. Y'all really think that Michelle McCool did not know she was going to be in the Royal Rumble? <laughs> Come on, y'all. Y'all can't be that unpredictable. Y'all can't be that stupid. Come on, y'all. But Chelsea Green, another one, but she didn't stay long. She was the shortest entrance in the Women's Royal Rumble of all time. Oh, and Nia Jax came back at 30. And Nia Jax, you are pretty in the face. Don't get me wrong. You are pretty. But I saw you smaller than that. And I'm not trying to knock you because I love me. I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. But I saw you slimmer than that, Nia Jax. I saw you slimmer than that, man. Like, seriously. But Rhea Ripley wins. And we got to see who she picked between Charlotte Flair or Bianca Belair for SmackDown and Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Bloodline. Bloodline. We're going to get into that, too. Um, Kevin Owens lost and got his ass whooped. Uh, it was a good match at first. Um, I didn't have no issues with um Bray Wyatt at all. I'm not Bray Wyatt, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn got his ass whooped. I apologize. It's not Bray Wyatt, it's Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn is no longer a part of the bloodline. That's simple as that. Jay Uso had to walk out on the bloodline because he did not like how things was turning after the match was over. And when that match was over, they demolished Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens is injured. From the two, the two uh, headshots into the still steps, I think he's hurt from that. I really think he's hurt from that. And Sami Zayn, I know you're going to turn on the butler. I can't wait to see tonight on Raw or SmackDown to see what's just going to happen. But Roman Reigns, he he looks confused. He looks confused because Jay Uso left. He walked out on the bloodline. So it was great storytelling. But it's time for the bloodline to end. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Cody Rose team up. I would not be surprised by that. I would not be surprised by that. But overall, when it comes to the Royal Rumble, I give it, I give it a C. I was expecting more of a pop from the audience. I was expecting more of better matches outside of the Royal Rumble and the, the bloodline versus Kevin Owens. Because that's exactly what it was. The bloodline versus Kevin Owens. And hopefully Kevin Owens is okay. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully that he 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 he's all right. 
Because dumb headshots to the steel chair, I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch at all. But that is my Royal Rumble recap. I really enjoyed everybody being there in the chat with me during the Royal Rumble. It was pretty fun to watch the Royal Rumble for the first time in a couple of years. It was fun. It was really fun. And I'm looking forward to doing WrestleMania live stream. That watch party will be up right here on the Darian Hopkins show, man. I am very, very excited about that. So Kellen Moore is your new offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not surprised at this. I'm not surprised that he's going to be the new offensive coordinator for the LA Chargers. And I'm going to say why. And I really think I did a video on the Spotlight Football Talk, but I was trolling as a Raiders fan that they got Kellen Moore and stuff of that nature. And Kellen Moore, I don't think he should have been fired from the Dallas Cowboys. Because I think the real problem is Dak Prescott and not Kellen Moore. And I, and I say that because just because Kellen Moore is calling the plays, your quarterback has to execute. I said that about Derek Carr. I say it about any other quarterback in this league. If you don't execute with the, with the calls being played, that's, gonna be, that's more of the quarterback than it is the play calling. If you notice, Kellen Moore calls a better play call with Tony Pollard's in the game. CeeDee Lamb had one of his best years of his career this year under Kellen Moore. So why fire him? What, what did he do to make y'all lose this game when Dak Prescott threw two interceptions in a, an NFC Divisional game? And that man had 15 interceptions in the season. He didn't even throw for 3,000 yards. So Kellen Moore going to a better situation with the Chargers I kind of like it. I'm not a big, I, you know, I don't like the chokers. Y'all know I'm not a big fan of the chokers. I hate them. But I got to take my Raiders fandom out of it. Because I feel like Justin Herbert might elevate his game with Kellen Moore there. Stats wise, he's better than Dak. Touchdown wise, he's better than Dak. Interception wise, he's better than Dak. And I'm not hating on the Cowboys. I just think it was a bad move to get rid of Kellen Moore. Let's see what Mark McCarthy does as a play caller. Because he's not a great play caller. That's why he got booted in Green Bay. Y'all must have forgot. He only won one Super Bowl there with Aaron Rodgers. Y'all keep forgetting that. When he was the play caller, they couldn't win, they couldn't win a damn thing. So Kellen Moore coming to Chargers OC, it just makes this offense a little bit better with Jared Cook. You have Mike Williams. You have Keenan Allen. You have Austin Eckler, which that running game will be better because they was dead last in the run game, only averaging 85 yards a game. But they definitely need them a power back if you want to win in this division, especially if the AFC West. And Kellen Moore is going to try to find a one-two punch there. He's not going to find a Zeke Elliott. But he definitely got a Tony Pollard in Austin Eckler. He definitely has that. He has a, a CeeDee Lamb in Keenan Allen when Keenan Allen is healthy. You might have a Keenan Allen and you might have a Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That's like, you know, CeeDee Lamb. This team just gotta stay healthy for the Chargers. If this offense can stay healthy, the Chargers might, they might be fine. But like I said, I'm Raiders till I die. I don't care for the chokers. 
They choke every year. They get hype every year. And look what happens. You blow a 27-0 lead against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is up and coming. Don't slouch on them. They are a really good football team. Really, really good football team. But Kellen Moore is the OC for the Chargers, and I think it's a good move. Taking my Raiders, fan them out of it. I'm not trolling. I'm not doing any of that. But I think Kellen Moore could definitely get this offense to be better. They only, they were only averaged 262 passing yards a game. And it was ranked 14th in the NFL in offense, where Dallas was ranked 6th in offense. How are you a top 10 offense as a coordinator? You get fired. I'm confused. I'm just thinking you're not top five. You're outside of the top five. I'm confused. I don't know what Mike McCarthy, I don't know what Jerry Jones is doing, but you better find an offensive coordinator that is better than Kellen Moore at this point. You have to. Because if you don't, then you're going to be screwed. And the Dallas Cowboys always screw themselves. They always do. But they, if y'all want to blame Kellen Moore for the loss in San Francisco, I, I don't think so. I don't think you should. Dak played like shit. Played terrible. And that's back-to-back times he did it. Clock management. Clock management's not on Kellen Moore. That's on Mike McCarthy. Please. Stop the bullshit. We all know at the end of the day, Mike McCarthy is not a great NFL coach outside of that one Super Bowl he won with Aaron Rodgers. And that's it. He got the boot in Green Bay. So, Mike McCarthy, it's on you, bro. If you're the play caller, you think you could do a better job than Kellen Moore? I can't wait till next season to see it. I can't wait. I can't wait the next season, next season to see it. So I want to go over to the NBA because I, that was my last topic for the NFL and my, and my last topic for the Royal Rumble as well. But the NBA, man, and, and, and I got this real, real issue with the NBA. I don't know if y'all saw my 76ers play this weekend against their two-time reigning MVP in Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. I'm sorry to say, but why did Joel Embiid get snubbed by Nikola Jokic for the last two years for the MVP? Why? Why? Every time Joel Embiid played Nikola Jokic, he cooks him. I don't get it. Y'all snubbed him for the NBA All-Star game to be a starter. Are y'all kidding me? There's no way in hell y'all cannot say that Joel Embiid is not the best center in the league. They are on a seven-game winning streak. The man lead the league and scoring with 32 points a game, and he almost had 50 on Nikola Jokic. 50 and 15 on Nikola Jokic, your two-time MVP for the Denver Nuggets. Y'all is playing in Joel Embiid's face, man. Stop Playing in his face like he ain't that guy. That guy puts his team on his back. I know Doc Rivers needs to change and put Tyrese Maxey back in the lineup. That's just my personal opinion. I think Tyrese Maxey should be in the lineup. But for y'all to not have MB as a starter for the All-Star game? Something got to change with this voting. Who is voting? Is the fans still voting? Somebody let me know in the comments. Somebody let me know in the live chat. Is the fans still voting for the All-Star game? Because if it is, that is a problem. Same thing for the Pro Bowl. 
The most shocking out of all of this is Joel Embiid not in the starting five for an All-Star game. Where he's a top two or probably the top center in his league. So I'm so so yeah, I'm confused. I'm I'm really confused on how y'all can say Joel Embiid is not the best center in his league. And they playing tonight against Brooklyn, I think. If I'm not mistaken, Brooklyn, Detroit, one of those guys. If I'm not mistaken. But what? Joel Embiid is one of those one-of-a-kind centers that can shoot the ball from the perimeter. He sets up a pick and roll. He box out. Sometimes he can be lazy on defense. I can agree to that. Sometimes he can be lazy on offense. I can agree to that. He does get to the foul line a lot. I don't like him shooting a lot of three-point shots either. The only thing that Jokic has over Joel Embiid that he can pass the ball. That's the biggest difference. There's no way you can say Jokic is a better all-around player than Joel Embiid. Whereas only one attribute that Joel Embiid does not have, and that's passing. But Nikola Jokic, yeah, I put that in. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get mad at that. That guy could pass the ball like he's a guard. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely a stretch five. But Embiid is, is, is one of those guys that it's hard to defend him. It's really hard to defend him. He's going to get his points. He's going to get his baskets. He is going to go get to the foul line every single time. There's no way that you sit here and say, that Joel Embiid is not the best center in the NBA. You can't say that Joel Embiid do not deserve to be a starter in the All-Star game. Even though I don't care for All-Star game no more, like the Pro Bowl and, and shit like that, I don't. But I think he's deserving of it. I think he's deserving of it. There's like I'm just so baffled. As a Sixers fan, I am baffled. I am I'm I'm in shock. The NBA, what is it coming down to? It's making me not interested in the NBA because y'all screwing players like Joel Embiid. And y'all know I'm not a big LeBron fan, but goddamn, that boy got fouled in the Boston game in regulation. He should have had two at the line. And that's what I'm getting straight into, going right into that. I don't know what the NFL refs, I don't know what these NBA refs be seeing. LeBron James got fouled, and I'm not even a big LeBron James fan. LeBron James got fouled against Jason Tatum. Slapped him right on the goddamn arm. And you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big LeBron fan. I think that he complains so much. I think he acts like a big-ass baby. But in this instance, as me watching that game, and Boston Celtics win that game in overtime, it's no way in it's, it's, it's crazy how he does not get two shots at the line. The Lakers got robbed. I don't mind you, I'm putting this disclaimer out there. I do not like the Lakers. I can't stand the Lakers. They so overrated. But a foul is a foul, man. A foul is a foul. You gotta call that. You gotta call that. 
But if they be like, oh, people gonna be saying in the chat, like, oh, you gotta let them play. They gotta be more physical. That's why the ref didn't call it. Yes, I like a little bit more physicality. But when it's blatant like that, and you see it clear as day, like the ref is right there. I wish I had the picture. The ref is right there and see the slap on the arm, and you can hear it on the video. LeBron was pleading his case, man. LeBron was pleading his case, my guy. Like, it was it was like sitting there, and you getting a pass interference call in football, and you don't even touch the guy at all. You don't grab his jersey. You just hit the hit. You just run with him, and you have your hands up. And they call, they call a pi. That's what this situation is with LeBron James. That's what it is, man. And LeBron James has been struggling with this Lakers team, man. They've been struggling. They, I don't think they can't compete in the West. It's gonna be hard to compete in the West with the Pelicans, the Suns. They, the Suns is all right. They all right. The Nuggets is there. They got Jamal Murray back. But the Lakers, they're they just they. No matter what roster moves, they, it's not a, it's not enough for LeBron to try to win another championship. And you can see the frustration in his face. You can see the frustration, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all, man. I don't I don't blame him at all. So, LeBron James, I feel you, bro. I feel you cuz that would if that if that was me, I would have felt the same way. I would have felt the same way. But I wanted to get into this last topic of the podcast and um just get some transparency out there. Um I was supposed to have my former football coach um, here to do the interview with me today. And for people that don't know that I am a transgender man, uh, meaning that I used to be female and now I'm no longer female. I am a male. But before I decided to transition into the man that I am, I did play women's football for 10 years um, for the Philadelphia Liberty Bells, um, AKA the Philadelphia Phoenix. And I wanted to talk about the state of women's football and, you know, his coaching career of him coaching me, of me playing fullback, me playing a little bit of offensive line, a little bit of DN, a little bit of, not DN, but D tackle, a little bit of, you know, tight end. So I played a, I played a few things, man. And mind you, the women's football league, I went to WFA, IWFL, it's so it, the NWFL or something like that. It's a lot of leagues that I cannot keep up on. But the state of women's football is at an all-time high. And I love the fact that women's football is getting to a point where it's getting the notoriety. Um, God, you know, before, you know, Franco Harris died, he was one of the owners for the Pittsburgh Passion. Um, Pittsburgh Passion is one of those elite women football teams in the league. Always been elite. You had those DC Divas. Now you have the Philadelphia fans, which is no longer a Philadelphia Philadelphia Liberty Bells. But you have a lot of dominant teams. The Boston Renegades, they've been around for years. For years. And they they I think they just won another national championship in the women's foot in the women's uh football. But I I can say this about women's football, because I played it. And and people think because um I'm transgender. I don't play football anymore. No, I don't play football anymore because I retired. 
I had too many concussions. I had too many injuries on why I had to play. So when it comes to, you know, my memories of playing women's football, it was some of the best years of my life. Um, it took me away from a lot of stress. Um, it helped me out with depression. It helped me out with a lot, you know. It got me away from the everyday life of living in the city of Philadelphia, where there's always something happening, shootings, killings, fights. It took me away from that. And I built some great bonds with some great people playing the game, playing the game, even coaching kids at the time. But I just wanted to bring that transparency to y'all because, yes, I am a transgender male. Yes, I am a man. But I did play women's football for 10 years before I transitioned. And Coach Bill and Coach Mike, I want to thank y'all. I want to thank y'all for giving me the opportunity in moments where y'all let me touch the rock. When I ran for 100 and something yards in the game in New Jersey after my great-grandmother great died. I had one of the best, that's one of the best games of my career. As a fullback. And and I, I cannot thank y'all enough for keeping that belief in me and keeping that keeping that authenticity with me. No matter what I was going through, y'all were there. And that's why I feel like a lot of women's football coaches need to like a lot of a lot of these women don't have fathers. Like, let's be real, a lot of women don't have fathers. But these coaches is like father figures, man. They was like father figures at the time. And for me, you know, evolving into the person that I am, football made me a better person. Football was life when I played. I loved every single time. I Don't get me wrong. I hated the workouts. Mary Rose you and, and, and Mick, McKaylin. Y'all kill me with the CrossFit. Jenny Butler. Y'all killed me with the CrossFit there, man. <laughs> Y'all killed me with the CrossFit. But um, I got through it. And, you know, Coach Mike and Coach Bill and all the coaches that I had in the 10 years that I played, um, I wanted to show some limelight to all the women that's playing full tackle football because y'all deserve it. Y'all deserve the notoriety. Y'all deserve to be put on television, which the championships are on ESPN3. But y'all deserve the notoriety from me being a former player and being part of that community for 10 years. And I could not be blessed enough to be a part of a community that was all about family. And family meant forget about me. I love you. F-A-M-I-L-Y. Forget about me and I love you. So make sure if you ever want to Google women's tackle football, you'll see a lot of websites come up. You'll see a lot of the little girls that want to play football. You have your chance. Because as a transgender man, I don't have the chance to play football anymore. Especially being, you know, being in stealth. Me being the size that I am, they're going to think I'm too short to play. When I'm kind of out of shape, I'm 36 years old. So that's another story for another time. So I don't think I can do it. But, I wanted to show some limelight to them because they deserve it. And I wish I could get back into the scene. Hopefully I could reach out to the Philadelphia Phantoms 
and have their head coaches come down here at Rec Philly and get an interview with me. Because I would love to talk about the state of women's football. We hear about the men. We hear about the XFL, the USFL, the NFL, college football, Canadian Football League, indoors. But nobody talks about the women. Because they think women can't play football. They can. I played with some of the toughest women in football when I was playing. Shit, I'm not going to lie. Few injuries because of it. I played with some talented, talented women that played full tackle, helmet, shoulder pads, cleats, you name it. Just like men. Not that flag football or that lingerie football bullshit that y'all try to promote because sex sells. That's bullshit. Make sure y'all go check them out, man. Go to YouTube and just put in women's tackle football. You'll see so many teams come up in different leagues nationally. 32 teams in the nation probably from each league. Just support it, y'all. Just support it. But I want to thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Darian Hopkins Show, episode 4. This was a great, great episode, ladies and gentlemen. I did have a guest, but he did not show up today. We had to reschedule, so hopefully we were able to get him back on here real soon. But like I said, make sure y'all go subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you are watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and turn your notifications on so you don't want to miss another clip, another live stream, or another video like this. If you are listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit the follow button on each of those. We'll love to hear the review of this podcast from y'all. We love to make sure we get better every single week with a better podcast. And thank y'all, man. Thank y'all so much for supporting the podcast from the beginning to the end. I did rebrand this channel and I want to bring some notoriety in different types of things to this channel. And I got a great, lot of great things coming up. A lot of great things coming up. But thank y'all so much for being here. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to the premiere of episode four of the Darian Hopkins show. And we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. We're going to have ballroom. We're going to have entertainment. We're going to have different types of guests. Everything will not be sports. Everything will not be sports. But thank you for watching. Have a blessed day. And I'll see y'all on the other side. Peace.